Welcome to the Kinetic Enterprise, built to evolve, presented by Deloitte. Your host for the program is Bonnie D. Graham. This program will set up your business for the future with topics centered on the four pillars of the Kinetic Enterprise. We'll focus on case studies and best practices designed to move you to the next level. Now, here is Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Kinetic Enterprise presented by Deloitte, built to evolve. Yes, indeed. Let's see what the buzz is today. I have a quote I found on Forbes.com by Josh Burson, Burson by Deloitte. This will set us up nicely, and I'll tell you a little more about what we're speaking about today. So he says, being a social enterprise, that's the key. I want you to remember that. Being a social enterprise means going beyond a focus on revenue and profit and clearly understanding that we operate in an ecosystem and all these relationships are equally important just let that sink in for a second now the second's over and i'll tell you what we're talking about today of course while your business revolves around your customers your enterprise revolves around your human capital the people together with your focus on the employee and the customer your business becomes intelligent responsive and adaptive when you do this and guess what's in the middle of all of this HR, that's right. HR is in the middle of this shift to what we're calling the social enterprise. What's their task here? They've got to drive productivity through workforce experience. And yes, there is such a thing called workforce experience today. They have to operate in a partnership ecosystem with teams inside your organization and outside your organization. They have to also curate an inclusive workforce with non-traditional talent. Yes, that's the where talent is going, the way it's going these past couple of years. And they have to reimagine the work across the enterprise and in HR with digitalization and automation. That's a busy task list for HR. So join us for the next hour. I'm going to be speaking with two experts at Deloitte about connecting the social enterprise to the Kinetic Enterprise. Welcome. I am Bonnie D. Graham. I have two panelists, both at Deloitte. Let me just tell you who they are, and then we will have them introduce themselves. So first up, we'll have Kristen Starradub, and then we will have Bob Park. So Kristen, welcome to the Kinetic Enterprise. And how have you been? And tell us what you've been up to. You and I spoke a couple of years ago on another show. Everything good, Kristen? Good morning, Bonnie. It's great to be with you again. Yes, things Thank are you. going well. It's, it's an exciting time out in the market for human capital. Um, I'm continuing my focus on working with our clients to activate their digital organizations and really putting that emphasis and shift on experiences. You mentioned workforce experience. Such a hot topic today, and I'm really excited to be here with you to talk about how we're seeing HR organizations make that shift to think about being a social enterprise while also helping enable their business strategies to be kinetic enterprises. Thank you very much. And Kristen, what is your exact role? I have your title here, but I don't want to just read it. What do you actually do at Deloitte these days? Absolutely, Bonnie. I am a principal in our human capital organization, and I work with HR organizations as they design and deliver large, complex, global uh, human capital transformation solutions. So what that means is activating a digital presence for their HR organizations mm -hmm. and really being able to create programs and processes and, and policies that, that enable an experience that delights and engages their employees. Would you say this is an exciting time or a dig in and get moving in digitalization time for HR? Are they embracing this? Are they excited or saying, oh, my God, I didn't know we had so much work or a mix, Kristen? 
I think it's a mix, Bonnie, for sure. Organizations are still grappling with what does digital actually mean and, and how do you move from just being digital to actually truly experiencing digital. And so we, we spend a lot of time with HR organizations helping them not only wrap their minds around how they as HR professionals and HR organizations can be digital, but how they can truly be leaders and drive business strategy as representatives of their overall organizations. That's exciting. Thank you very much, Kristen, and very nice. To your connection is amazingly sharp and clear. It's wonderful. Thank you. Let's Thank move you, around the table to your other, the other Deloitte colleague on the panel, Bob Park. Bob, please introduce yourself. Tell us what you do, what your role at Deloitte is, and you can also share your thoughts on what I asked Kristen. What does this mean? Is this an exciting time, a time for digging in for HR? What do you think? <laughs> well, thanks, Bonnie. It's great to be on the show. Thank you. Yeah, similar to Kristen, uh, I'm a principal in our human capital practice here in Deloitte, and uh, my primary role is serving our clients uh, when they look upon new technology and operations initiatives from an HR perspective. Uh, oftentimes, that is thinking about what do we do next? What does mm -hmm. the next three years look like? Uh, also, tactically, what should we do right now? And we've got this program we've lined up. What's what's the right way to go about it? So a lot of uh, actions and activities that I do is helping our clients figure out just a path forward. Very interesting. And, and your, yeah, go ahead, please continue. No, I was just going to say to your point about the, the times right now, exciting mm -hmm. or, or dig in and you know, yeah. I would concur with Kristen. It is both. I think, you know, it, it is exciting. I think from the perspective of knowing that there's change, I think for a lot of our clients, it, it has been, you know, for the last few years, it, everyone's been kind of pushing things forward. Very well put. Bob, I noticed from your bio that you have a, a, a body of knowledge, a bank of knowledge that spans industries, including life sciences, manufacturing, transportation, financial services, retail, and high tech. Are there any industries in this, this large range of your knowledge, of your expertise, that are feeling this need to move to social enterprise more than other industries? Just a, a point of view here. You know, I think from my perspective, Bonnie, all of them are seeing it, but they're seeing it in different facets. Mm. When you think of, you know, life sciences, you're thinking obviously all of the new technologies that are happening today. Uh, also, when you think about for manufacturing, just globalization, it is changing the, the way folks think about how do we do business. Um, financial services, you know, with the rise of technology, all of us have, have apps. Uh, and that's the big deal is how much services can each of these banks provide us that make our lives easier. And high tech is pretty easy to think about when you think about Amazon and Google and what they're doing. And then for transportation, that's been a tough industry. And, you know, one thing I think, you know, with what they've gone through with consolidations, I mean, now they have the capital and have the investments now to now look at, okay, how do we reinvest into the business? And then most importantly, too, um, ser serve their customers, us when we uh, fly on a plane or, or ride on a train or take the bus. Mm -hmm. Very well put. Thank you very much both. Pleasure to have you on. This is the part of the show where I have asked my guests to please send me a quote that's not about business and not specifically about our topic, but something that makes them think about our topic. And they're going to relate their quote to the topic today. So Kristen is up first and Kristen has sent us a beautiful quote. Kristen, when I hear this, I want to paint it on a, a wall in my house, of course, or, or crochet it on a pillow because they're beautiful. Kristen has sent one of the most famous quotes from Maya Angelou. Anybody who is too young to remember her, Marguerite Annie Johnson was her, for her original name, 1928 to 2014, an American poet, 
singer, memoirist, and civil rights activist. She published seven autobiographies, three books of essays, many books of poetry, and is credited with plays, movies, TV shows spanning 50 years and received more than 50 honorary degrees. She was first became famous with her book, the, I, I'm sorry, I Know Why the Cage Bird Sings. I've got so much to read about in 1969, telling about her life up to the age of 17 and many more autobiographies after that. Here's the quote, everybody. Listen up. These are words to live by. I've learned that people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did. But people will never forget how you made them feel. Kristen, this is such an emotional quote. I can't get through reading it without crying. Thank you. How does this relate to our topic today? We're talking about connecting the social enterprise to the kinetic enterprise. Kristen? Absolutely, Bonnie. And just hearing you read that quote, which is one of my favorites of all time, gives me chills. It's funny you mention uh, crocheting it on a banner. I actually have a plaque prominently displayed in my home office with this quote. I love it so much. I think, you know, just the, the, the message as listening to you read the quote and the message that I hear every time I think about Maya Angelou and what she stood for and, and how, she, um, how she appeared in, in the world is really invoking no matter what she did, whether she was sharing some of her poetry and writing, whether she was standing up for causes she believed in, she, she constantly thought about how she was experiencing and how people would experiencing interacting with her. And I think about that very strongly when I think about organizations and HR organizations today and, and the changes they're making. We're talking about a social enterprise being an organization who who's on a mission to combine not only revenue and growth and profit making, but to respect and support their environment and their ecosystem in which they operate, like you said, and also being kinetic in the fact that they're trying to constantly be agile and adapt and react. But in that moment, in either of those two cases and and taking forward either of those two missions, if we don't remember exactly what we're doing and what our actions and and our activities are, are doing to impact others in the world and how that's going to make them feel, then all of the words and all of the actions that we put out there will be for naught and we simply won't be remembered in, in the world today or in the future and therefore we'll have lost all of the goodness behind what we may be trying to drive for. There were a lot of quotable moments in what you just said, Kristen. You've got me in tears here. That, that was lovely. And this relates back to one of the things in my opening you just picked up on when you were introducing yourself. You talked about the workplace, the workforce experience. That is a thing, isn't it, Kristen, today, when people get jobs? And we're not just talking about millennials who seem to be more in tune with where am I going to work? What are the values of the company? How will my day be? With whom will I be interacting? Is the company doing social good around? the world? Will I be valued? All of that. I I think that's spreading to other demographics across the workforce. But workforce experience, is this a brand new concept or has it been bubbling up for many, many years? What's your point of view on that, Kristen? Absolutely. I believe it's a concept that's been bubbling up um, in recent times, but it is absolutely the most important concept I think that we're seeing today. Uh, in, in Deloitte, we annually conduct a global human capital trends uh, research survey, and the number one trend that we found last year was that experience matters. The workforce, and we use the word workforce very purposefully because now in the world today, it's not just your employees, your full-time on-the-books employees that are 
representatives of your organization. It's the partners you interact with. It's the contingent workforce. It's the freelance part um, the, of your organization that all have impact on your brand and your reputation in the market. And people want to feel connected to, to the movement, to the, the values of your organization, and to the work that's being done. So when we talk about workforce experience, we really hone in on that feeling that employees have of being connected to the purpose and the work they're doing for your organization. Thank you, Kristen. Great to know that this has been coming up for a while. I remember HR back in the day when it was to be feared, Kristen. I remember working in organizations where they could withhold your raise or threaten you with no cost of living increase. Kristen, I'm going to move on to your colleague on the panel, Bob Clark. Bob has sent me a wonderful quote from Andy Grove. Andrew Stephen Grove, 1936 to 2016, was a Hungarian-born American businessman, engineer, author, and pioneer. He was the third employee and eventual CEO of Intel, and he helped make it into the world's largest manufacturer of semiconductors. He was called the guy who drove the growth phase of Silicon Valley, and he was Time Magazine's 1997 Man of the Year. Here's the quote. Bob, you're going to explain this for us. Only the paranoid survive. I love that. <laughs> Indeed. And, I, and for me, you know, in, in reading his book and, and just reading about him and understanding his ethos and what he thought of business, for me, the that 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 is something that you know has been with me for quite some time. And and I think with the work that I do with our clients at Deloitte, you know, it is thinking about what are the different options, what are the pros, what are the cons, and when you think about what we have now with the social enterprise, the kinetic enterprise, it's, it's about being agile. It's about thinking ahead and, and thinking what are the different things and the turns, whether it's right or left or up or down, that may or may not happen. And getting to a place where you may have uh, what Andy commented to as a, an inflection point, which requires you to make a decision. And sometimes you, know, you go with the information that you have with that decision, but you make that decision and push forward. And okay, if, if things need to evolve again, then you reach another inflection point and then make another decision. But it's, for me, it's all about you know, not waiting for things to come to you. And I think what Andy really spoke about in his book is the inflection point that Intel had is they were a large semiconductor company and came to a situation where do they continue making memory chips or do they go into this new range of making microprocessors? Um, and it was an inflection point for them, and they pushed forward to make microprocessors and decided to leave away this whole area of memory chips. And we talked about it quite a bit. And so for me, when I think about working with our clients and their asks to us and how we help them, uh, it, it's about helping them make decisions, giving them the information that they need. And then most importantly, too, if things do need to change and evolve, we make those steps too and not think that we're just going down one path and just booked on that one path for the rest of the journey. Interesting. Bob, do you think that HR, and I'm going to do a little generational demographic comment here, and you and, and Kristen can both comment back to me. Do you think that people who have been in HR for a long time are feeling that paranoia? What? Workforce experience? We have to do that too? What? We have to get new systems? What? We have to treat people like people? What's going to happen to my job? Do you think there is that feeling of somebody looking over their shoulder because so many things have changed and are continuing to change at a very fast pace in the kinetic enterprise, in social experience? What's your thought on that? You know, I think it's excitement, Bonnie. You asked me earlier about mm -hmm. that. Is it excitement or digging the heels? I think for HR professionals that I work with and their leadership, 
it's pretty exciting right now. Um, one is you've got all of this new technology. Second part is you've got all of this demand from the business saying, how can we further our goals? We need people. We need to train these people. We need to be more productive when we do bring them on board. And I think for HR folks, I think for a lot of them, it is about there, there's a lot to figure out. And sometimes it can be overwhelming, but I do think it's exciting because now you're, you're hearing the voice of the business say, this is where we need HR to be our business partner. And what are now the new ways that we can use to help solve our problems? And, and a great example that I talk with clients with, you know, in the beginning with HR, a lot of it was just, you know, filling out paperwork and then it became faxing the paperwork and then it became, you know, let's fill out the paperwork online. You know, now it's become, hey, can we roll out some new mobile apps to do all the things that we used to do? And, oh, by the way, can these mobile apps also give us this information mm-hmm. and can we combine it into a giant mobile app? So I, I think it's pretty exciting times. Thank you very much. I think so, too. Kristen, do you agree with that word excitement that Bob just interjected? I do. I do. And I think that the more we see our clients in HR embrace that concept and embrace the excitement, the more successful we're, we're seeing them um, become in this age of the social enterprise. You know, we, Bob touched on the concept of being agile. And I think we're really um, starting to see HR organizations understand that that doesn't mean just a, a method by which you implement technology. It really means, you know, looking at how they do everything in their world today. And, and really being able to embrace um, the, the shifts that are happening. You touched on the non-traditional talent culture earlier um, and, and mm-hmm. really being able to adapt to the different types of talent that, that organizations are, are bringing in. So the more that the excitement starts to build and the more organizations embrace it, I think the more success we're seeing. Thank you very much. Good opening. We're still in the opening of the show, actually. Thank you both for your terrific quotes. I really appreciate you taking the time to find them, both words to remember. Christian, we're going to start our formal roundtable now, and I'm looking at the statements you sent me. Here's one that I would like to talk about. I think I mentioned a little bit about it in my opening or in our, our conversation, and I think this bears repeating. So I'm going to read this and ask you to expand it. Then we'll get Bob's point of view, his POV on this. You say, Being a social enterprise is not about driving CSR, which is corporate social responsibility. Do you think there's a confusion on these terms? Kristen? I do. Um, in, in many cases, a traditional organization was very introspective. They focused on their profits and loss statements. They focused on what was important to their shareholders, if they're a public organization, or their, their partners as a private organization, and, and really took a functional siloed focus. What we're seeing now is that organizations are starting to recognize that they can't operate in a siloed fashion, but in some cases that just means thinking about driving corporate social responsibility, contributing to uh, not for, non-for-profit organizations in their, their ecosystem, or having community days in, in the market. But what we're seeing is that's really not enough. Really moving to social enterprise 
requires recognizing that you're way too visible in, in your sphere of influence today in the external environment. And if you're not going to engage with that external ecosystem, then your message is going to fall flat. So, for example, you know, we think about some of the, the things going on in, in the external world today and some of the tragic events um, with our schools. Organizations, um, retail stores in those, those markets have to respond and, and had to think about not just um, what their, their um, customers might do in, in terms of um, buying some of the products that they sell in the market, but how they would want to show up and be perceived. And I go back to that quote about how, make, how you make people feel. When they took action mm-hmm. to not just be focused on sales and profits and losses, but to also better the safety of their community, they really found that they were, you know, resounding in the market and were able to make a social impact that actually ends up driving profits and sales. So organizations that understand that connection between engaging in the external ecosystem and how that can drive their business strategy are really starting to thrive in this environment. Thank you very much. Bob Park, please join us. Agree or disagree or just expand what Kristen said. I think I'll expand because I think it's about being genuine. Um, and I think when mm-hmm. folks say the word social enterprise, what does that mean? Uh, and I think social responsibility is one aspect. So we have clients that are looking to build, you know, lead buildings. They're looking to buy carbon credits or look at the um, green economy. But I also think it's about being genuine. And that then becomes a reflection of what you do both externally, but more importantly, internally. For 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 what we think about from a social enterprise, I think the most important thing is when you think about just for myself, and I know when I talk with clients, it's about their culture and brand and and how that relates to what they're trying to achieve from a business perspective. Thank you very much. Kristen, anything you want to say back to Bob before I move on to some statements from him? Yeah, I think you, you touched on, on some of the really important aspects of it, Bob. You know, you mentioned earlier all the apps and the technology. Um, it, organizations can be scared. You know, we for our HR clients, um, over time we heard, oh, the robots are coming and they're coming for all of our jobs. And, and it really becomes, you know, not focusing on on that internal aspect of, of what's only right for me, but knowing that by doing the right thing more broadly and, and connecting the ability to change rapidly and be agile, but also recognize um, how you're showing up in the market, then you really bring that refocus and that human identity back to your organizations. Thank you, Kristen. Bob, I'm looking at one of your statements you sent me before the show, and I want to clarify here. You say the social enterprise reflects upon an organization's people. That's interesting. Reflects upon the people who make up the culture and brand of the organization, not only internally but externally. And then you add, this is important, there is an increasing overlap between what is considered internal versus external given the rise of the individual and the influx of technology. Can you tell us more about this? I think this, there's a big lesson here for companies who are listening, Bob, and understanding the over, is it an overlap, is it a blur? Uh, tell us more, please. Yeah, I think the one thing that when I speak about clients and they, they ask me about their different programs, you know, all of them, and I, and I tell them when you think about what they're trying to do, it's it's a reflection of, of who they are, what, what makes up the companies. And for some of the clients that I've worked with, you know, this has been very predominant aspect of, of who they are. And what you're seeing now is that that internal 
look at who they are is, is being reflected outside because you've got a lot of folks now, you know, given what we've got with Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and, and what are, are able to communicate. We've also got LinkedIn as well. And, and then it becomes a reflection. So when you think about, you know, different organizations, you know, one in particular, I worked early in my career. I mean, their whole game plan was, you know, how can we bring technology, bring a computer to every home? That that was that was their mission, and when you thought about the people mm-hmm. and the people I worked with there, I mean they were all driven by it. Is how can we make computers easier to use? How can we get them so that they're in every home, every place? And it's something that's just no different than us having an appliance in our houses. And if you look at uh, from where they started and where they are now, we indeed we all have computers. They're very easy to use. Um, but when you think now, if that was what their mission was and the people that believed in it and, and built up this company to be where they are today, you can now see then how that brand and what they do reflects on not only inside the company with the products they've built and the services they provided, but now externally too, as they now talk to the marketplace and talk to hear the benefits that we're able to provide now to not only our economy, but to all of us in our everyday lives. So for me, that, that's what, what I think when I talk to clients about it is the, the culture and brand is, is, is something that just comes out of folks. And I think if that's strong and if that permeates, that's something that, mm-hmm. that is easily to see not only internally but outside. Interesting. You mentioned, Bob, about a computer in every home. I'm looking at an article here from 2015, and the headline is Bill Gates' 40th anniversary email. Our goal, that's his and Paul Allen's, was a computer on every desk. He sent an email to Microsoft employees. This was that day on the 40th anniversary. He said, early on, Paul and I set the goal of a computer on every desk and in every home. It was a bold idea, and a lot of people thought we were out of our minds to imagine it was impossible. It's amazing to think how far computing has come since then, and we can all be proud, of course, of the role Microsoft played in that revolution. Did you know about that uh, that anniversary call, that statement, Bob? That's very important. <laughs> I, I did, Bonnie. I have many fond memories of being in Redmond, and I have many uh, fond memories oh. of, of, of being right outside where that plaque is and had Bill's words on it. <laughs> it's one of, this is one of those cultural memory moments. I love it. Kristen, chime in on this, this blurry or this overlap of internal and external. What are you seeing, especially with your clients in terms of their response to this? It's a lot of pressure, right? It absolutely is, and, and it puts a lot of pressure on organizations to really be able to respond and, and to even come up with ideas and, and how to do it. And I think this is why when we talk about, you know, how are you going to respond, whether internally or externally, you really have to put that human moment at the center. Um, when we're focused on, on being human, when we're focused on more than just the technology, then I think it really becomes impactful to say we're all individuals. At the end of the day, we're all human and we all go to bat as humans and therefore if we we keep that in mind that no matter which audience we're talking about internal and external we'll be doing the right Mm -hmm. thing by each other if we all focus on on the why and that is the human aspect thank you very much bob anything you want to add to that before i move on to another statement from kristen no i think she she summed it well okay let's move on here now let's talk about the role I've asked you about how people in HR are taking this. Uh, Bob mentioned, which was wonderful, that there's an excitement. But let's talk about taking the lead. And I'm just going to do a little retrospective here on something else. 
We, uh, SAT Radio, you know, I've been doing that for nine years. We have a show called Financial Excellence with Game Changers, and we talk about the finance department. We talk about the office of the CFO. And one of the themes over the nine seasons the show has been on is talking about how no longer are the CPAs and the people in the office of the CFO sitting in the basement with the, with the eye shade and the green banker's lamp and doing spreadsheets, that they are becoming stewards of the business. So that takes me to your fourth statement you sent me, Kristen. I'm, I will tie this all up, I promise. And you say, HR must take the lead for enterprises to reimagine the future today. That's a bold statement, Kristen. That's a pass-forward statement. So tell us more about that. This is something that HR understands. I know they're excited, but do they see this is a big-picture statement? Kristen, talk to me. Absolutely, Bonnie. And you touched on it earlier. You know, the historical view of an HR organization or the personnel office was somebody to be feared. You certainly didn't want to be called into HR the way you had been called into the principal's office when you were a kid. And so we're really seeing the fact that HR organizations must embrace that their role is shifting and that they have to change their own mindsets and really be adaptable and agile to, to lead their organizations. They, they sit right right in the middle of how their company organizations are going to be able to respond and shift to be a social enterprise. They are the ones that have to understand what's important to workers and what's important to the community. Um, we're, we're seeing CHROs, the chief human resource officers, you know, be asked mm-hmm. by their CEOs to, to lead tough decisions. What should the organization do in response to a tragedy in, in their community? It's no longer looking to the CFO and saying, is this going to hurt our bottom line? Is this going to hurt our balance sheet? It's saying to the CHRO, how is our workforce going to respond? How is how are people in the market going to perceive us if we if we move um, towards this direction? So really, it, it, HR must take the lead in in reimagining the future today. They've got to start fostering that partnership ecosystem from teams within their organization and outside, and and embrace changing how work gets done. Um, we really you know, see the opportunity for um, what we're calling super jobs to come to fruition. And that means taking bits and bytes of, of traditional jobs and, and applying automation, uh, using technology for the betterment and the good of it, but knowing that there's still going to be a human element to all jobs. So there's a lot of excitement. There's a lot for HR to do. It's very different than what they've traditionally done in the past. Mm-hmm. And by embracing that shift and some of these major um, focus shifts, then we start to really see uh, the future of HR come to fruition. Thank you, Kristen. Now, we talk about HR and jobs. Let's put those together. Bob, before I bring you in, I want to pick Kristen's brain a little bit here, and then we'll get you to respond. Kristen, who should be running HR today with this very big task and this much broader mandate than they've had in past years? I know it's been it's been trickling down and bubbling up over the years, but is this a role that a, I'm going to say millennial, is this a role that somebody coming out of a certain graduate school program, who would be the best fit to take on this job? Is it time for, I'm going to say it, new leadership in HR? Kristen, what, do you, what have you observed? We're not trying to do anybody out of a job, and I don't think we get a robot HR person yet, but <laughs> maybe we do. But what do you see is who, who should be sitting in that chair or standing on that treadmill desk? What do you think? 
Sure. I, I think, Bonnie, it, it comes into a view of who has that right mindset and who has the characteristics to, to take on this role and, and really be able to shift the lens and, and create a new focus for the organization. So whether that's somebody who's traditionally been an HR professional that, that can embrace the new learnings and, and develop themselves, mm-hmm. or it's somebody coming in from the outside. Many organizations are bringing in leaders from the business to take on leading HR organizations, they bring that that mindset of what's going on in the business and what's important to the business strategy, and it goes back to that ask that CEO is making of the CHRO saying, we need to move the business strategy forward through the lens and through the enablement of the HR organization. So I think it's all about the person that can embrace Mm -hmm. this culture shift and this focus shift to, to revamp HR, if you will. Thank you. Bob Park, a lot of information here. Agree or disagree, and talk to me, Bob. <laughs> Indeed. When you, when you think about the HR role, and you know, we had a discussion a couple of weeks ago with a client, it, it comes down to the being in tune with the business. Um, what are the priorities and what are most importantly, when you think about folks, what I call out in the front line, uh, what they're experiencing, what they go through. And I think when you think about HR leadership programs and initiatives to take on, you know, it, it's having people that are in tune with that. And I think that is what business leaders, when you think about either a CFO or a supply chain officer or even a distribution manager, they're looking at HR to be their business partner. But what that most importantly means is, is, is being that organization that, okay, this is what's going out in the field and this is what our frontline folks are doing. What can we do now to help enable their activities? Can we figure out different ways for them to go about doing their work? Or on another side of it, what can we do to support them? So when they do have questions or concerns, can we make it easy for them to come to us and and get them the answers that they're looking for so that they're not chasing their tail and and getting shuffled around different people to to get to a simple question that just says, you know, I'm planning to have a baby. What what should I do next? Interesting. Kristen, anything you want to say back to Bob or anything you want to add before we move to another topic or part of the topic? I think Bob's got it covered. Um, that, that sounded, you know, really like what we're hearing from our, our client organizations today. Okay. I have a question for both of you before I move. Bob, I have a statement from yours I want to read, but question for you, both of you. We're, we all still, from time to time, do our shopping in person in brick and mortar, correct? Mm-hmm. Kristen and Bob, once in a while, you walk into a store, right? Absolutely, yes. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> and very often you see employees who are bored or they're not well-trained or they're on their phones. I'm not meaning to intone the Valley Girl voice here, but they don't care. They they don't understand. This has been a beef of mine for years. They don't understand that they are the front line. They are the face of the brand, of the company that gives them a paycheck. They are the face of that store, how they greet you, how they service you, whether they ring you up properly, whether they help guide you to the right aisle in the shoe department or or help you with your sports gear or they help you with a new uh, slow cooker, that they are part of a bigger thing called a business, a company, an industry, and everything they say and do matters. Do you see any, any, we're talking about the workforce experience, we're talking about the social enterprise. Kristen, I'll start with you. We didn't plan to talk about this, but when will we see HR understand that they need to reach out and make these people 
feel like you're part of the organization, too, so the brand trickles all the way down and all the way up. What's your thought? I think you've you've kind of hit a nail on the head there, Bonnie. When when organizations are so introspective or so isolated, where they don't recognize that their workforce is their brand and they are conveying their message to their customers and their clients every day, that's when they're going to start to see their business strategies flop or their profits decline, their their share price go down. It, it goes back to that purpose at work is table stakes now going forward. Your 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 purpose as an organization has to be your reason for being. You have to create an experience for your workforce so that they want to get up in the morning and and come to to work and come to jobs. You know, we talk about not living to work, but working to live, that kind of analogy. Mm -hmm. But but really, when we we have organizations that just don't create a reason for their workforce to want to be there, then they're they're no longer going to be able to, to engage with their customers. In many cases, you know, we see that organizations Organizations that focus on workforce experience can have a, a tenfold impact on their their business profits. I mean, it can be up to you know two billion dollar increase in revenue just by simply moving mm-hmm. up ten percentage points of that workforce experience indicator index. So there's so much um, out there right now that says creating an environment that your workforce, your employees want to come to every day directly influences your customer experience and therefore your success as a business. Thank you very much. Great insights there, Kristen. I agree a thousand percent with you. Bob Park, what do you think? Agree I do, and it's What's a tough topic. Yeah, it is. Go ahead and talk to me. It is a tough topic, Bonnie, and, that, and you know, that's the one thing that when we look at our clients, a lot of them have a pretty strong brand and culture, but on the flip side of it, oftentimes you, you look and when you interact with them externally, you, you find that that level of excitement that might be internal is not necessarily there out in the field. And I think mm-hmm. from that perspective, you know, HR looks at different programs. I, I think the different initiatives now that we start seeing, I know well-being is a, is a large initiative a lot of our clients are taking on. Uh, they're also doing different initiatives as to um, promotional events internally, uh, recognition, uh, and I think those are all means for HR now to to take that lens of how can we promote, you know, ourselves to our employees so that they feel that level of excitement that then rubs off to our customers. Uh, but it's a it's a tough equation, Bonnie, and I tell most clients, you know, it, it's you know it's just a continual evolution. It's a continual push for whatever improvements can be made. And again, just having that dialogue out in the field. Kristen uh, mentioned uh, a survey that we do within Deloitte for our human capital trends. Uh, but we, we mm-hmm. within Deloitte do our own internal surveys too as to our folks and mm. how they perceive leadership, how they perceive things are going with our clients. Um, and we also, obviously, like most clients as well, do upward feedback surveys. But I think those are the different techniques uh, that have to permeate, and then that way then you feel that engagement by the employees because they actually feel like, okay, you know, the company really is seeking my input. Um, you'll always mm-hmm. have those employees though, that are just tough to break through, um, ones that just, you know, just aren't aren't passionate, but on the flip side of it, you know, you're looking for the majority versus then the individuals in those aspects. Good point. Reminds me of the TV show Undercover Boss. I, I assume you know of it or you, <laughs> you've seen it where the, the boss goes off. A, a quick makeover, uh, usually a wig or a hair color job, and, and uh, sometimes some uh, uh, for guys a false mustache or beard. For women, I don't know, something a change in clothing, and they go out undercover and pretend to be a new employee or a trainee, 
and they get to hear what's really happening in the field. And it's very interesting. And then they come back and give wonderful rewards to the people who were brave enough to tell them they didn't, oh, I bet you, then they have to sit, okay, face-to-face across the table at the end of the show with the real CEO. You don't know whether they really have suppressed screams or tears or tears of angst about what they said. But that, that is an interesting concept. And, and, Bob, I'm looking at your statement here. Let's talk about this. You say the intersection between the social enterprise and the kinetic enterprise is incorporating the organization's culture and brand. You want to elaborate just a little bit on this, and then we'll get Kristen's input from this? Yes, it, it goes back to just, you know, social enterprises are reflecting on uh, as a reflection of a, of a company's people, right? And if the people, mm-hmm. you know, are, are living and breathing that brand, it, it helps that kinetic enterprise. So if you think about, you know, think about Google, right? Their whole motto was for a long time to be, you know, do no evil, right? Do no harm. And, and a lot of their folks live to that motto. And, and you can see in the things that they built and the things they do and, and a lot of their social postings as well. Obviously, that's, that's now evolved, right, to, to do good for folks. But I think that that is what you have to build upon. And I think another good example is, you know, I I worked with a a large coffee retailer right up in Seattle, and and their whole Mm -hmm. thought process was is looking at their people in terms of partners, right? Howard Mm -hmm. Schultz's whole motto was that our our people are, we're all partners together, and what we really want to do is provide folks with with an experience when they come to our stores. Uh, And then that experience is that, that they want to come back and relive that experience. Um, and the one thing that, you know, I, I thought was very interesting then is you know, he thought of them as partners and so much to not only give them health care benefits for, for, for folks at the stores, but more importantly, company stock, right? And, and so, mm-hmm. therefore, then you have that sense of purpose because he's truly thinking about his people, his employees, as, as partners, not necessarily as, quote, unquote, employees. And, and I know the one thing that also I look fondly back upon and, and, and doing it with the folks I worked with there was to go out to the stores and actually put on an apron, right? That was one thing that you had to mm-hmm. do every year. Folks at headquarters had to put an apron on and go out to the stores. <laughs> Absolutely. Kristen, join us. Thoughts on undercover boss or anything about getting down into the what we used to call the trenches in terms of bringing this concept of culture and brand from the, the concept, the wonderful concept of kinetic enterprise and social enterprise, and bring it down through the ranks to the people and embracing them and bringing them into it. What's your thought? Absolutely. You know, Bonnie, I was thinking when you were talking about Undercover Boss and telling that story, that the moments that are always, you know, so insightful are, are when the boss, the CEO, you know, kind of realizes the perception of corporate or of the leadership yes. team from the employees. You know, there's that, that aha moment, that shock. And, and I think that that's one thing today that it is, you know, a, a moment that organization leadership teams really need to embrace. There's this concept of measuring experience and measuring the workforce experience experience. You know, Bob touched on on many of the mechanisms that um, traditionally are employed, whether that's an engagement survey for your whole company or measuring um, customer engagement through through surveying. But I think whichever mechanism it is, whether you're you're traditionally surveying your workforce or you're going out and undercover to, to figure out what's going on, really getting that data back and that measurement of what's going on is so important. There's often such a gap. You know, we, we talk to our clients and, and often and see that 
many organizations will say, oh, upwards of 80% of our organization feels engaged, but the reality comes back from these measurements from these surveys that say only 30% of the workforce feels engaged or that they have meaning behind their work. And that that disparate disconnect between leadership and, and what's going on in the workforce really starts to uh, drive kind of that intersection of, you know, an organization's culture and their brand and, and how they're known internally and externally. If there's that huge chasm between reality and, and what leadership perceives, then that's going to translate out into the market and your brand. So I think the, the examples that Bob gave of, you know, being required to go out into um, the, mm-hmm. the market and put on an apron, you know, it just really shows the value that that leadership team embraces around really understanding what's going on for the workforce and their customers and how impactful that can be. Good points all. Thank you very much, Kristen Saradub. Uh, Bob, I'm looking at, I have a statement here, your fourth statement you sent me, and there's a note of very important optimism in this. I'm going to read it. For those of everybody listening around the world and saying, oh, this sounds like so much work, there is hope, and, and I'm going to express it through Bob's notes. He says, it is an evolution, yes, with continuous learning and improvement where the organization's culture and brand serve as the building block. It's never too late for an organization to start embracing this, is it, Bob? Why don't you tell us about the continuing learning? Is that for HR and the whole workforce, or where do you see that coming in? It is. It is the HR and the workforce, and, you know, it's, it's, you're not going to reach nirvana day one. And, you know, nirvana mm-hmm. is, is out there, right? And each of the different programs and initiatives that, that organizations take on is, is, is striving to get there, but knowing that, you know, that is the, the aspiration, um, there's always going to be, like I mentioned earlier, just different decisions to be made and different priorities that make move you right or left or up or down. Uh, the key thing, though, is, you know, what is this all predicated upon? And, and, again, when you think about culture and brand and you think about the social enterprise, you think about an organization's people, um, that culture and brand, though, permeates. So for me, I always tell clients, you know, I'm, I'm glad to help them with their initiatives. I'm glad to Put, that, put out that three- to five-year roadmap, but I always tell our, my clients as well, you know, this is our three- to five-year roadmap. You know what? We're going to have to refresh it in another three to five years. So <laughs> it's, it's just continuing to think through what can we do. And, and, Bonnie, to your point, it's just everyone evolves. I mean, what, what we used to do five years ago is very different from today, and, and what we did obviously ten years ago is different from today. Yes, and I think there's a lesson learned, Bob, a lot of – Kids, high school, college don't realize everything they post on social never goes away. So when you're looking for a job, trying to apply for a job or trying to do something in your future, it's all there. It's always there. And just like the statement I read on the 40th anniversary of Microsoft by Bill Gates and his comment on we want to put a computer on every desk in every home, the history is, is binding today. It's a binding commitment. We know everything everybody said which makes it a little more compelling. Kristen, we're just about at the end, but I want to get your response to what I call the very optimistic statements Bob Park just made about continuous learning and improvement. What's your optimistic hope for all of this, Kristen? 
I love that Bob shared this statement with you, Bonnie, because it just, you know, as we're rounding out our, our time together today, it just underpins exactly why we've defined what we call the kinetic enterprise. You know, organizations, um, we used to use the phrase, needed to be built to last, but now we're saying today they need to be built to evolve. And the only way you can evolve is by continuously learning. You want to keep your organization's brand and culture at the, at the foundation of who you are as an organization, as a person when we talk about individuals, but really really being able to survive, adapt, and thrive in this, this age of constant disruption is going to be so fundamentally important. And continuous learning, learning in the flow of life is the only way in which organizations will be able to do that. Very well put. Love the optimism from both of you. I have 60 seconds for each of you. We'll start with Kristen Stardub. Kristen, predict, please. This is crystal ball time. Predict if we met again, and let's not even go well, we go out to 2025 if you want, but any time during this year of 2020 up to 2025, what would change about this conversation talking about connecting the social enterprise to the kinetic enterprise? 60 seconds, what do you see change? If anything at all, go ahead, Kristen. Sure, Bonnie. I'll just pick up on that continued theme of optimism. I am optimistic that these concepts, while they may have seemed foreign to some for some time, are really are, are things that people are able now to take in at their core. And I think we're just going to continue to see the, the intersection of ecosystems and partnerships more and more amongst organizations and their workers so that we are just truly a globally connected community that's really um, thriving in, in a world of agility and evolving. And so I, I think that we will just continue to see the social nature of organization strategy come to fruition and be even more of a bolder part of their stated strategies and those, those external um, influences continuing to drive how they look at their organization versus what's just right for them internally. So I think it's a great time and I'm very optimistic that we're going to continue to see the goodness out there continue to evolve. Great words of wisdom there, Kristen. Thank you. Bob Park, we got 60 seconds for you. What do you see coming up the road, down the pike, whatever direction, or shooting up to the cloud? What do you see for, for the future of social enterprise and kinetic enterprise? Bob? I think what, Bonnie, in five years, we're going to probably talk about, just like we talked about Microsoft, Starbucks, you know, American Airlines, I think we'll talk about iconic brands that were not necessarily iconic right now. Um, whether that be potentially be someone like Tesla, which is obviously becoming that way, or we keep talking more about Amazon and A to Z. I think that's what we'll talk about in five years are these iconic brands, these iconic people, uh, and the organizations that, that, that make up those companies and the people behind them. I think that's what we'll be talking about, and I think we'll be talking about companies not only here in the U.S., but around the world. I think the world mm -hmm. indeed is flat, and I think in five years it will be flatter. I think we're going to be talking about iconic thought leaders like Kristen Stardub and Bob Park at Deloitte. That's my prediction. What do you think of that? I am so pleased to have had this opportunity to speak with both of you. I appreciate how savvy you are. And mostly I appreciate your, your enthusiasm and, as I'll say it again, the optimism about where this is going. Social enterprise is so important for organizations, and we mentioned bring the culture and the brand into the evolution of the kinetic enterprise. It all has to go in the same place, and it can only go to a good place looking forward. Thank you so much to both of you, and a shout-out to the people behind the scenes who put this together. Malia Aguilar, you do a wonderful job setting up these shows. 
Carla Neil Slavin and Helen Thomas, thank you both for sponsoring the series. Aaron Keller, my engineer with the nerves of steel. I'm in a 40 to 50 mile an hour windstorm here in Durham, and we've been enduring enduring connections and misconnections. And I want to thank Kristen and Bob for sticking around because we did it. I'm Bonnie DeGram signing off for Deloitte Kinetic Enterprise Podcast. We'll see you again soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Kinetic Enterprise, built to evolve, presented by Deloitte. Be sure to join host Bonnie D. Graham next Friday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Deloitte can help you reimagine everything in order to get the most out of your SAP investments and position your business for tomorrow's demands. Learn more at Deloitte.com SAP. This program is copyright Deloitte Development, LLC. All rights reserved.